Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found my next king among his sons. How can I do that, Samuel asked. When Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say, I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will make clear to you what you should do. You will anoint for me the person I point out to you. Samuel did what the Lord instructed. When he came to Bethlehem, the city elders came to meet him. They were shaking with fear. Do you come in peace, they asked. Yes, Samuel answered. I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Now make yourselves holy, then come with me to make the sacrifice. Samuel made Jesse and his sons holy and invited them to the sacrifice as well. When they arrived, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, that must be the Lord's anointed right in front. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at the things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Next, Jesse called for Abinadab, who presented himself to Saul, but he said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen this one. Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't picked any of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, is that all of your boys? There's still the youngest one, Jesse answered, but he's out keeping the sheep. Send for him, Samuel told Jesse, because we can't proceed until he gets here. So Samuel sent and brought him. He was reddish brown, had beautiful eyes, and was good looking. The Lord said, that's the one, go anoint him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him right there in front of his brothers. The Lord's spirit came over David from that point forward. Then Samuel left and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be here and have the opportunity to speak God's truths over you and hope that God can talk to you through me. As some of you may or may not know, my name is Jose Barragan, and this year I have the honor to serve this campus as chapel intern and working alongside an awesome people of uh, chapel planning team that, that would create the chapel planning team. To be real honest with y'all, this text that was just read speaks volumes to me as I myself experienced a great deal of insecurity and imposter syndrome as I was chosen to serve this position. I wrestled with the question of why me? And to be quite frank, a software engineering student? <laughs> Before I, had to, I started this semester, uh, I, was all, I was en route to go into my final year of Point Loma, on track to graduate and get a full-time software engineering position. Life seemed easy and straightforward, but that all quickly changed. Upon the last month of my junior year, I felt a strong calling to serve my community at Loma. While this was not entirely clear, I knew it was here at Point Loma. At first, I genuinely thought it was through worship arts. At my home church, I served in our worship band every Sunday and thought this was my way of pouring back into my community. 
but I felt that God was calling me to serve in ways that would stretch me and in ways that would surprise me. I did not know how I was going to serve, but deep down, I had a rooted feeling to help others. I began to feel a strong push to serve this community and really dive into the stories, the longings, the desires, the hopes, the dreams, and like everything in between. So throughout my application to be a student leader at PLNU, I got heavily encouraged by a group of awesome people to apply for chapel intern. And here I am. <laughs> As a software engineering student, I felt like an unlikely person to be a chapel intern. And yet we find time and time again that God uses unlikely people and is faithful through it all. Here are some examples in scripture. Abraham and Sarah, an older couple unable to, unable to bear children to be the beginning of a large nation of the people of God. Joseph, a young man sold by his brothers to slavery who ends up becoming a great leader and save his brothers and families from famine. Moses, he literally killed a man. He ran away and became a shepherd in the wilderness. He said he was slow to speak, and yet God used him to deliver his people from Israel. And finally, Ruth, a Moabite woman, a foreigner who was, able, who was faithful to her mother-in-law and became a widow. After becoming a widow, she ends up becoming the great-grandmother of King David. Ruth is one of the few women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the one whose kingdom will have no end and the one we wait for in this Advent season. The people who followed Jesus were fishermen, were tax collectors, women, and the marginalized of society. And God uses all these unlikely people to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the world. Throughout this semester, we have been talking about God's faithfulness from age to age and really diving deep into different portions of scripture to showcase just that. God using unlikely people is a way that God demonstrates his power, his love, his mercy, his grace, and his faithfulness to us. This is a way that God invites us to trust in him and to be empowered by his spirit so that we can point others to God. Scripture says, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And this story is no different. See, we just read about a time when God is in search of a new king. The passage says that God has rejected Saul, the first king of Israel. And Samuel is tasked what humanistically is considered to be treason. Uh, if we look back at before the time of Saul, we see God's intention and desire was never to put a, pe a person, a physical person, and to be people's king. God was the one who would lead them, who would guide them, and to invite all the people of God to put their trust in him. But the nations around them were putting the trust in human strength and power, and so their kings usually reflected that. And all of the other nations around them were just picking their top scorer as king. God was like, chill, that, that's, that's me, you know? And I firmly believe that the people's intention was not to go against what God was telling them to do, but I rather hypothesize that they were doing like, three main things. One, they were confused by God's unique instruction because it wasn't what everyone else was doing. Two, they truly wanted to be a great nation and to showcase the great God's power. And three, they responded in the only language, the only way they understood. 
to have a king that can at least hang out with the other strong warriors and the other strong kings around them. So we see that the people of God chose Saul. See the people of God chose Saul and someone who by their standard is, looks straight up like a king. You know, and Samuel anoints him. The Bible says that Saul was someone tall, someone strong, and someone with physical appearance of a true warrior. But I believe that God was attempting to make their vision greater and to not be tied to humanistic tendencies. We see God was able to work through the life of Saul, which was never the intention of God, but still used him for his purposes. Saul served the kingdom of Israel in a time when the people were fighting the Philistines and won many battles against them. But over time, Saul desired to follow God's heart just became less and less important. He became less and less dependent on God and more distant from God's own heart. So we arrive at the passage where God is leading Samuel to anoint someone new as your king. Funny enough, Samuel is also looking for someone who fits that same profile as Saul. The passage says, when they arrive, Samuel looked at Eliab, which is David's older brother, and thought, this must be the Lord's anointed right in front. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Next, Jesse called for Abinadab, who presented himself to Samuel, but he said the Lord hasn't chose this one either. So Jesse presented Shema, but Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen this one Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't picked any of these. God wasn't looking for someone who would depend on their own strength, their own abilities, and their own gifts. God was looking for a heart that would depend on him and would seek God's strength and power to guide and guide the people, the God's people. Everyone in the room had an idea of who was qualified to be king. Samuel was looking for someone great. Jesse brought only these seven sons to be presented. David wasn't even considered or even invited to the room. David was out in the fields tending the sheep. He had no business being there, except David was God's choice. God often uses unlikely, ordinary people for God's extraordinary purposes. God wants people who are moved by the heart of God. David was called a man after God's own heart. To be someone after God's own heart means that all of our actions flow out of God's love and God's reign over our lives. It is to live a life where God is truly king. So I was, as I was doing some research and doing some cultural research on this passage, I found several interesting details about their practices, specifically on the act of anointing. See, as I dug into historical and cultural practices around ancient Mesopotamia, there was not a lot of evidence for surrounding kings who had been anointed. In fact, in ancient Egypt, pharaohs were not anointed, but so were their officials and vassals. This means that top leaders were not anointed, but only the people below. Kings were considered divine. They were considered gods of the ancient world. The act of anointing created a subordinate relationship between the leaders and their servants. And I think this model fits David's story quite well. In fact, it fits God's model. 
God chose David for his purposes, but his original intention was to have no physical king. In anointing David and a king for that matter, God creates this subordinate relationship between himself and earthly leaders. In this case, a king. Perhaps an unlikely thing to do is seen by an outsider. But in doing so, God also enters into this relationship, extending protection and coverage over his servants, in this case, David. As I look at the dynamics of this passage, I wonder what David must be thinking about at the time. Perhaps there was a lot of confusion within David. Why me and not my older, bigger, and stronger brothers? A lot of just these questions as as to what is it that I'm being called into? You know, why all these things are happening at this time? David probably was there and just pondering on and on, but there was also family dynamics. There was probably a bit of jealousy within the family. His family knew David the best and they were probably thinking, yeah, I can't be David, like that's, that's not the king, that ain't it, you know? And Samuel was probably thinking, God, are you sure about this? So there was mutual confusion, but regardless of what social, cultural, and or humanistic barriers there were, God chose David because of his heart. A heart that bends towards God so that God can fulfill his purposes. Many times we look at this passage and we think it's about David. If we focus on David, we quickly learn that he was not perfect. In fact, David did a lot of things in his lifetime that were really bad decisions. This includes committing sins such as rape and murder. The Bible even says, but what David had done was evil in the Lord's eyes, describing his sins. He also had extremely great times, such as the time he defeated Goliath, one of Israel's biggest bullies and someone who killed a lot of Israelites. Both in the highest and the lowest moments of his life, David longed for God's heart. When he sinned, he repented upon hearing Nathan's message from God and he had mercy on David. When he stepped up to fight Goliath, he did so with a heart to help his people. And so we look at, back at the anointing and while God saw the great things he was going to do in the future, God ultimately saw a servant with a heart chasing his own. David must have felt unsure of himself, asking himself questions like, is this really happening? What do I have that I can contribute? Is this a mistake? Am I not qualified enough? Why me? As I look back at my own time at Point Loma, I can relate to David in so many different ways. As I started my freshman year, I felt so out of place. No one from my high school attended Point Loma, and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I'm actually the second in my high school to come here to Point Loma. Uh, I often question myself and question why I was here, and being a commuter, I felt out of place in this, in this place, and it could be very easy to lose touch. Uh, I questioned my decision to come here many times, and I asked God, why am I here? So without fully knowing or understanding, I continued to be present and to be attentive to what God wanted me to do. As a freshman who did not have a lot of money, I quickly searched for positions around campus. And through the help of my professor, Dr. Lori Carter, I was able to land my first departmental job, grading for professor, Dr. Jimenez, and I loved it. You know, <laughs> this opened doors to later becoming a teacher assistant uh, for Dr. Carter and helping around the department with many different departmental jobs. And in my time as a TA, 
I really found great joy in helping people who genuinely felt lost. That feeling of being able to shed some light to those people who were truly needing it was something I started to chase. And this way, I believe I found my ultimate purpose and found out why I came here to Point Loma, to help students in their introduction to programming class. You know, that, that was it, and that, that was it, and it made logical sense. I was good at computer science, and I was able to help students. This was not the entire vision God had. When I looked for confirmation from God to see if this was it, I returned with the feeling that this was definitely not it, and it was not going to stop here. So in search of finding what it was that God wanted me to serve in, I stumbled across chapel intern. And next thing you know, I find myself interviewing for that position. I felt like I was not able to do this. I asked a lot of questions, and these questions sounded like, will I be able to live up to other chapel interns? Will I be able to fit it all in my schedule? Why would Loma even consider a student without a Christian studies or theology major? Will I be able to speak in front of people? Am I really capable? This passage shows us that it's not about the qualifications. It's not about what God, David could do because David is not the hero of the story. It's about what God is faithful to do in us and through us. It is the hope we have that God is and always will be faithful to us. Even when David messed up, God remained faithful to David. Not because of David, but because God gives all that he is to us out of pure love. This passage ends with this. The Lord's spirit came over David from that point forward. God is God who is faithful and gives us his spirit to empower us, guide us, teach us how to be people and how God wants us to be. In John 14, Jesus talks about the spirit and says, if you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give, and will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you, and he will be in you. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called by pouring out his spirit on us who have a heart to love and obey him. Maybe the question is not, why me? Because if God is with us, maybe the question is if God is with us, why not me? Maybe you feel you are in a similar place in life. Perhaps you wonder if God can use you or you feel you're like unqualified, or you don't feel like you fit the mold of God wants you to be, and what is he calling you to be? My encouragement to you is to tell you that God is faithful. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things through God's spirit. God desires for us to have a heart that trusts in God and surrenders to God's purposes. My hope for us as a Loma community is that we can open our hearts so that the Spirit can fill us to do what God wants us to do. So before I pray, I just want to open the invitation uh, to everyone here. Every Wednesday, we create space at the altars 
if you want to pray. And if you would like to pray, uh, we have an awesome group of chapel planning team and who would just love to pray with you. Um, so feel free to linger after this ends and um, stay here for a while. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful to us and decide to use us as instruments in your hands. May we trust you more each day to say yes to all the ways you are calling us to be. Like David, help us be people after your own heart. In the name of Jesus, amen.